Okay, so I am sat here with my good friend and longtime colleague, Mr. Richard Harris. Rich, welcome to, to Block 101. Thanks, Dave. It's a pleasure to sit in your Block 101. <laughs> so uh, I'm here at Twickenham Stadium. Last week, I was at Hitchin Town Football Club. Same. That's the way it goes. So we were talking before we got started. You were born around the corner from the ground, from Hitchin oh, Town. I was, mate. I was. Stone's throw. Stone's Stone throw. throw. But you never played for them. No, sadly not. Never got to play for the Canaries. Ah, oh, unlucky. Yeah, had to make do with the Yateley Town. So, but you, um, see, you're a man of good non-league pedigree. We were talking about. So, uh, <laughs> you've been to see a few games. Made Nigel United was one you were talking about. I have. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's going back, going back some time. But yeah, it was one of the years we saw uh, saw our FA Cup pretty okay. much every single round of the cup and. Uh, a very, very memorable memorable game. It was a maidenhead, you know, it was Slough Town. Slough Town. Slough Town. Uh, magical time on their wooden seats. Wet, windy FA Cup match. Uh, and I think, I think it was against Maidenhead, but it was our Slough. Okay. And uh, I'm fairly sure Slough lost. 3-2, uh, couple of sendings off, couple of penalty misses. Absolutely magic. Magic of the cup. The magic of magic the cup. Magic of the cup. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was good, mate. All right, so uh, we've known, I was trying to work out on the way down how long we've actually known each other. <laughs> I think it's like 2002 or three. I'm not, it's probably about then. About when, I, that. Yeah, when I joined the FA. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, you joined the FA back then. Yeah. Um, had you, was that your first job in sport or had you done other things before that? Yeah, I've done, I did other things before that, but that was definitely the first one in sport. Uh, yeah, there's a few of us who kind of joined from a tech company who've been working with the FA, and we got two Peter Cross. Okay. After uh, about three weeks after I got rejected from the uh, actual FA graduate scheme. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and I turned up at Soho Square three weeks later and said hello to the guys who I'd said goodbye to at the interview. And they looked at me funny. And nice. I, like, I said, I'll be back. <laughs> and there you were. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good fun though. So what did you do at the FA then? Let's talk through your time at the FA. That was <laughs> interesting times we had at the FA. It was great. It was, uh, well, like we said, it's, uh, it was a brilliant time to be there, right? Yeah, yeah. It was the golden a, era. It the was golden a, generation. The golden generation, yeah, yeah. On and off the pitch, day. <laughs> no, but it was, it was a wicked time to be, be at the FA because we're all in our mid-20s. Yeah. Uh, England were on the road. Yeah, England were on the road. Just left Wembley. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so I, I didn't have as glamorous time as you. I didn't do, you know, the Euros and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of had the, the joy of... Uh, 52 county football associations and delivering them some brand new administrative software that they all gratefully received. <laughs> um, so yeah, driving up and down the country telling people to use our software. Which, awesome. Which eventually worked. Eventually worked. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, so this is the other thing that kind of struck me on the way down. So I remember when we started working together at the FA, you were in quite a technical role. I was less <laughs> so at the time. And I've lived to kind of switch around because like yeah. now you're sort of I would say more on the business side of things yeah. less involved in the tech and, and I'm kind of the other way around now so I still find it's that a, quite funny it's bizarre because I can still, still remember the first time we met and I walked into the room and there's that look of you're not from here who are you what who do are you, you? why are you here you and Bruce Osborne there just giving me evils <laughs> uh, going who's this tech guy uh, when we're changing ticket systems yeah uh, say goodbye to Ticketmaster and hello to Audience View indeed yes interesting times as we wrote the software with them as they, as they went live <laughs> Um, and uh, and then getting to know you guys when you're on the road, mm. so Manchester in particular, I remember. Yeah, we did a lot of trips, Newcastle. Yeah, it was, so. it was awesome. Uh, every job I've had since, I always end up in Newcastle. That's standard. So, so, something about St James's Park and the Geordies always end up. <laughs> always. So um, 
bringing up Bruce because again you know we talked Legend. about this and um, yeah. he he always talked about ticketing as the black hole um, <laughs> and here we are sort of 15 years later you still haven't escaped so what are you doing today let's talk about your, your role mm. at the moment and then we'll sort of go back again and step through what got you here so you're currently at Twickenham the RFU yes yeah, so I, like? I came in to, uh, to run the ticketing team uh, so it's head of ticketing and then since then uh, I've acquired through a, a combination of luck uh, and misjudgment on their part <laughs> I kind of look after uh, work with our travel company so you can probably travel uh, and they do travel home and abroad for fans right um, and also I look after membership so the ventures the scheme that we run here England Rugby Club First 15 mm. uh, which is kind of our wider uh, wider kind of entry level uh, membership a relationship with all of our clubs so 1400 clubs so selling tickets and everything to those guys and I also look after stadium hires so you know, anyone who wants to come to Twickenham, put on a concert or host a sporting, sporting event of any kind, they talk to me. Okay. And uh, I do them a really, really good deal, Dave. <laughs> the yeah. best deal in town. The best deal in Twickenham. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty busy, pretty uh, full-on mm. roll, by the sounds of things. Yeah, it's good. It's, 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 it's good fun because you do roll. You, it's the variety that, that keeps it interesting. Yeah. And uh, you kind of roll from... You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Bath here playing the Bristol Bears mm-hmm. uh, in a Premiership rugby game. A few weeks before that, we had England against Scotland in the most bonkers game of rugby uh, I think the stadium's ever seen. And then roll forward to this weekend, we've got the Army and Navy uh, okay. coming for a, a nice quiet visit in front of 80,000 people for an amateur rugby match. Wow, So uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, in a few weeks, we've got Metallica. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's an eclectic mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how does that, from, a, I guess, an operations point of view, from behind the scenes kind of view, like how mm. does the prep for, for those kinds of events work and, and what's your role in all of that? Uh, well, my role is to get involved in the detail as little as possible. That's what my, di- my team try and do yeah. uh, to limit my damage. Uh, but no, it's, uh, it's more around, uh, yeah, it's more around. So uh, I've got a team of customer service, mm. uh, look after the box office, uh, man the phones, because uh, rugby is still very much people prefer to speak to people. Okay. Uh, there's an awful lot of personal relationships. So while we do a lot on, on the web, so we manage, the, uh, manage with Ticketmaster the, uh, the online sort of sales portal, um, a lot of it's still done face to face and over the phones. Um, so, in terms of prep for the games, we also look after the access control. So, it's literally for my team making sure that everything's prepped for the turnstiles, everything's prepped with the data. Customers know when they should come, mm. uh, prepping all the sales campaigns and working with the marketing team to make sure we get that right. And obviously, that varies from game to game in terms yeah. of the shape we sell. Um, and then working with the event owner, if it's a stadium hire, to make sure they're happy, they've got everything they need. Um, uh, so that I have a, a relatively straightforward day on the day with no surprises. Nice, quiet day, stress-free. Always. 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 <laughs> okay, so um, I guess our careers, through our, we've, we've been at a few places together. So been about, Dave. We've been, been about. about. Um, so I guess for you after the FA, did you go straight to London 2012? Was that your next yeah. stop? So yeah, that was, it. that was it. You know, we kind of, kind of had a... Had a tight, tight Wembley Stadium sort of building. Yes. Helping get Wembley up and running. So it's part, lucky enough to be part of that team. Brick by brick. Brick by brick. <laughs> and it felt like that as well. <laughs> brick by brick and getting that up and running. Um, and then, yeah, 2009, uh, Paul Williamson got in touch and okay. said, uh, Follow fancy, me. Do you fancy coming to, coming to London 2012? And my first instinct was, No, no one likes it. <laughs> um, and uh, you just couldn't turn it down to be part of something that big. Yeah. It was. Uh, to go in as the this is this is where Bruce would tell me I slipped into the black hole. It moved from just a tech role to a ticketing technology role. 
first of its kind, I think, Rich. I've and never heard last. of a ticketing and technology manager. I've never heard of one of those before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically managed Ticketmaster contract. Right. That was the that was the whole aim of it. And uh, uh, I said, yeah, naively. Uh huh. And it ranged from everything from public sales to client sales, and that's where, of course, our paths crossed again. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. I mean, I don't know how you probably you came in quite a bit earlier than I did. But I, the thing that struck me, and I think by that point there was maybe five or six hundred people involved yeah. when I got in there, and I, f- I felt it was massive. I'd come from mm. Spurs, and we had like you know twelve people in a box office, so yeah. very different. Um, but the the scale of it and how quickly then that continued to grow and grow and grow. It was you were talking to people on email you'd never actually met face to face, and people I still haven't met face to face that we were talking with daily. Um, I'm just mad. I, I've never worked on anything like that ever. I probably no. never will again. But. Well, Paul, Paul Dighton always said it to us at our company updates. He said, uh, "Go and do the best work of your lives." Right. Um, every day, and it's and it's crazy because he said, "Whatever you go and do next, you can always be proud you were involved in that." And yeah. uh, I think a lot of us took that that with us. Mm. You know, there's all the great stuff that came out of London. You talk about legacy and all those kind of stuff, and there is. It was good, but that was probably the best thing that I took from it was going and doing the best work you can do. Yeah. Because every day you didn't do it. It's another day you lost mm. um, before the games came. Um, but in terms of scale, I still remember doing one of the last company updates. Uh, ticketing was on the agenda, so Paul Williamson swerved it and stuck me up on stage. <laughs> in front, and it was at the Excel Centre in front of 3,000 staff. Wow. Um, what did you tell them? Uh, I told them it was all fine. There's nothing to see. Yeah, no, it was nothing to see here. Please move along. It'll all be fine. Um, but, but I still remember there was still, even at that stage, we were getting backlash around not enough tickets, where all the tickets gone, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it was unbelievable scrutiny and Twitter and, uh, and social media really took off that summer. Mm. Um, and none of us really knew how to react to it. So it was real kind of eye of the storm, but also some of the best learning and some of the best experience I've ever had. Yeah. I mean, I always remember Paul saying doing an Olympics is like eight years worth of job experience. Yeah, it's about there. And I think, to be fair, it probably was because the amount of things, I mean, I was only involved for two and a half years, I think. Yeah. But the number of things you're exposed to and what you learn in that time. It was crazy. It's crazy. It was was crazy. It was, I always come back back to it. It was uh, two and a half thousand sessions of sport. Wow. Across 30 odd venues. Yeah. Uh, most of which were temporary and new. Yeah. Which means things go wrong. I still remember the first day, the phone going at HQ, and we had, what, probably 12 to 18 venues go live. Yeah. And about 12 to 18 of them had problems all at the same time. And it was, uh, yeah, Eden Dorney was underwater uh, the day before, the day before, so the box office wasn't connected up. And it was, it was kind of one thing after another. And uh, it's amazing. When you've been through something like that... Yeah. When I went to the Rugby World Cup, I went, how many sports? One. 48 games, 13 venues. I was like, small be, fry. This would be lovely. could deal with that. No, but, it, but, it, but, it, but it was. It was good to do it off the back of the Olympics because all the things that we, we couldn't get our hands around or get right because the Olympics was too big, we kind of made sure we did for the World Cup. Right, okay. So how, do you, how did you manage, I guess, like your own energy level? So going through a tournament like that, it's pretty draining. Hmm. And like you said, there's loads of sessions. It's relentless for the duration of the actual tournament. So how do you, how did you manage yourself? Because it's pretty, pretty full on. I learned the art of the power nap. The power nap, yeah. The power nap, yeah. So, so 10 or 15 nap. <laughs> uh, that, that used to, that used to get me through. So you go lock yourself away in the, in a quiet room. A little 15 minutes, set your alarm. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, set your alarm, <laughs> have a dose, get up and go again. Um, 
because some of those some of those nights were nuts. I remember working through the night with Ticketmaster, trying to get ballot sorted and stuff like that. Remember the ballot well. You know very well, Dave. <laughs> you watched a lot of late night boxing. I did doing that, running that, yeah, yeah. So so all those kind of things just. Uh, it's just great experience but you know yourself when you come out the other side of it all you really want to do is go there's all the great experience the great stuff I did yeah and here's a bunch of stuff I'll never do again because it was daft yeah you know and uh, now we tried everything in the games mm. still yeah. remember the joy of pay your age tickets oh that's, it was quite progressive actually it like, was mad if you think about sort yeah. of back then what people were doing and we definitely didn't play it safe no no and uh, always made me laugh because uh, I remember Paul would always have an idea. Mm. I'd sit, ne- sit next to Lou Jolly and look at Lou Jolly's face uh, <laughs> and watch her, watch her go, right, how do I tell him this is a daft one? My favourite was still dog tickets at Greenwich Park. She talked him out of that. I didn't, I didn't know about dog tickets. Dog I didn't tickets, get as far as No, me. I didn't get as far as Ticketmaster that one. Um, so we did head a lot of them off at the past. And I have since been told by my team that I come up with daft ideas that they have to uh, try and back me out of before it becomes real. So Nice. You, you learned something, right? I nice. did learn something from Paul. Yeah, good. Yeah, how to listen to your team. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So um, I guess a lot of people have got their own memories of London 2012 and, you know, they there's certain things that they'll always remember around that, that mm. tournament. So for you, what you know, whether it's like on the field of play or in the offices, what do you think were some of your most memorable moments from it? <laughs> Some, some, some of them we shouldn't really repeat because it involved the casino. I was going to say, uh, mine does involve you, a casino, and about seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that sounds that's about right. After yeah. the closing ceremony, I think. Yeah. Not yeah. singing along with One Direction. I don't remember the One Direction bit, Dave. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, 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 was, it was mad because, you know, you, your energy levels are so high. You, you work stupid hours every day and then you want to go for a beer yeah. and then you go and lock yourself in a place with no windows and oxygen being pumped in and wonder why you're still awake <laughs> um, but there was no gambling involved it was purely just a medicinal recovery absolutely um, yeah. no I think I think there was one one night in, in that casino uh, during the Paralympics okay as with the Spanish wheelchair basketball team they let me have a go on their, wheel, on the, on their actual wheelchair wow and wear their medals uh, which was pretty cool um, and uh, shared a few beers and a few things with those guys and it was that's amazing it's, it's moments like that that, yeah, that yeah. where the Olympics kind of really comes to life where you're really part of it yeah um, whether you want to be or not mm. um, I think it's giving tickets out to uh, the troops mm. who were sort of uh, we stepped in last minute to help out with the security and they were just amazing yeah every single one of them they were like I was, st- I, was stood, I was stood in a field in Afghanistan and now I'm stood here this is better you know they were having the best summer <laughs> Um, and then on the field, uh, it was definitely, uh, definitely Chris Hoy. Okay. Yeah. It was his. It was his. Uh, it was his record-breaking gold medal. Pretty iconic. Be- being there for that was was unbelievable. Yeah. Like as, a, as a, an experience, as a spectator, a fan, everything was just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Good stuff. Um, so we talked briefly about the Rugby World Cup. So that was mm. how soon after the Olympics was that for you? Did you go straight into that, or did you? Have yeah, a little... pretty, pretty. I had a, I had a little break. Did a bit, bit of work with um, Ascot Racecourse with uh, ah, yeah. two circles, Matt okay. Rogan and, um, and Gareth Bausch. Yeah. Again, it's amazing. I did five or six months with those guys and just learned so much. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of where digital was going, in terms of marketing, all that kind of kind of stuff in such a short time, and then yeah, started Rugby World Cup. Weirdly doing a bit of consultancy for them before joining full time, sort of September. Yeah. Uh, what was that, 2013? Mm. Yeah. So a cool. uh, couple of years out. Yeah. Yeah. Had a plan. Yeah. Uh, and I guess with all of your experience from the Olympics, this was a bit more of a walk in the park. 
No, it was hard. It was different, right? It was okay. different. It was the scale was more, far more manageable. Yeah. That was the biggest, the biggest thing. Um, but going in and letting venues be venues, yeah. rather than us tell us, here's the World Cup, this is how it's going to work, and then we'll give you that look and, oh, God, it's those guys again. <laughs> um, so, actually, so actually going in and working with each of the venues was great. Um, getting to know the guys at IMG, getting to know everybody around uh, RWCL, so Rugby World Cup Limited. It was brilliant. It was a real team. Okay. Like, uh, you had lots of contracts but terribly complementary to each other commercially, but we all just made it work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, revenue target was 250 million quid. That's what we went for, and that's what and we nailed it. Yeah, and it yeah. was kind of those are the bits where you set up a fan, build your fan base, sell it, and then sell out. Yeah. Uh, and we kept it that simple. Okay. And, uh, yeah, again, I was it was far more about ticketing, so I was head of ticketing in that one. So right. Back to Bruce, I was well sucked in by then. Yeah, you're, you're deep into the black yeah, hole deep now. In, deep in, <laughs> And it was, it was driving revenue and just trying to be creative and trying to fill stadiums and uh, and, ha- and anticipating where those issues are going to be and having a plan for it already. Right. Um, which the Olympics, you could do that to an extent, but you couldn't do it across that many sessions of sport. It With that too kind of scale, you can't prepare for everything yeah. and have a, an answer to it all. So. Yeah, but we enjoyed, we had just had a brilliant time. Yeah. You know, we really, really did. And... Um, yeah, that's some really good mates on there. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so that kind of brings us into like where you're at today. Um, we talked about about your role and I guess you've definitely developed beyond ticketing now, I suppose, from what you were saying before, you're looking after the diary here essentially as well. Mm. And so I guess we've kind of touched on it a little bit before we started recording. Like what happens next? You've, you've worked <laughs> on like some amazing tournaments. You've worked at huge yeah. venues, governing bodies. Mm. What, what do you think? is the next sort of big challenge for you or what's left to conquer? To conquer. <laughs> <laughs> the world. The world, world domination. Team, all of it. <laughs> uh, I, do you know, I've, I've, never, I've never had a real firm plan. Yeah. Like anything to do with a career or anything like that. As you can see from like, just weaving my way through sport, I've always wanted to work in things that I care about and enjoy. I guess that excites you and yeah. gets you out of bed. Yeah. And, like, yeah. like, I always wanted to work, work, work for the FA, weirdly. And then I got there and I just loved it. Yeah. And Wembley was brilliant. Olympics was special. World Cup was special. Um, and the RFU is an amazing place to work. Mm. Like it, it, it just uh, people in the sport itself are just special. Mm. Um, like comparing that to football, yeah, uh, football is a brilliant sport to work in, mm-hmm. but it's huge. Yeah, like it's so, it's so big. So so being able to make connections between the elite end of the game and the grassroots end of the game is really really difficult, and mm. it takes a lot of work. Rugby, it doesn't. Right. Uh, we had Eddie Jones pitch up at Cambry Rugby Club because he lives down the road and wanted to see the kids on a Sunday morning. Wow. You know, um, we have uh, World Cup winners willing to work with us and help us out. Yeah. Um, just so they can uh, come along to Twickenham. Um, there's, there's an amazing sense of community in rugby. Um, part of it is, you know, a lot of people try and live by this whole respect code, mm. but they genuinely do. In football, we use it as a word. Yeah. Right? Um, so you see it plastered around when you go and watch your kids play on a, on a Saturday. But rugby, there isn't any of that. Mm. It's just there. And it's there from kids. Um, so the jump from, you know, my son playing in the under eights uh, to, you know, uh, people I know now as a result of rugby, like Will Carling or Will Greenwood or people like that. Mm. It's no, no, no distance. So what do you think the, the big difference to that is? Because, I mean, like you say, you have to look at the behaviour of players on the pitch as well. Mm. So, you know, the way that a f- footballer would... Um, contested decision with a referee versus what you see on a rugby pitch where do you think that comes from or how does that uh, it's, 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 right, it's right from the start okay 
I'm seeing my son, he plays football and rugby. Yeah. And you see the way he's, he's had it bred into him, the two codes and ready. Right. Like in football, he'll go ref and he'll get a look from me because yeah. he knows I don't like it. In rugby, it doesn't. Wow. And it's because you're just, that's, that's the way it's taught from, you know, parents don't do it. Yeah. Coaches don't do it. It's just not um, accepted. It's just not accepted part of the game. And even, even, within, even within more senior teams, it's a code of conduct that the senior players will keep. Uh, keeping check okay. and monitor and they check themselves for it and it's it's just bloody impressive because it's not rubbish yeah, it's not, yeah. they, they, they genuinely believe that and um, yeah I've seen it you know been, been lucky enough to spend a bit of time with the, the England senior team mm. and um, it's there it's there from their leadership group wow and um, from Owen Farrell down he everyone's everyone's on a level everyone's got a code of conduct if you don't fit in it you you get pulled in line yeah it's yeah impress- it's seriously impressive though. that's phenomenal they live yeah. and breathe it they do they do you know, there's elements of it creeping into the game now. Right. Um, uh, you see elements of almost, uh, it's not quite diving, but there's a little bit of simulation creeping try? in. <laughs> no, no, <yeah. laughs> if only. Uh, there's elements of simulation you're seeing beginning to creep in where the stakes and the money and everything's just getting a little bit higher. Okay. Um, and rugby is in an interesting period where it is reviewing certain laws in the game to make it safer and more appealing to uh, parents, right. uh, kids to get involved with. Um, and so it is in a funny period where it is in that transition, but... Uh, the overall code of ethics around the game is is the things that they're fiercely protective of. Right, and, and when you're in it, you're in it. So uh, no, it's it's uh, that's an awesome sport to be involved with. Great, good stuff. Okay, well let's wrap it up, Rich. Um, so where can people find you? Do you do the social media thing or the socials? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on all those kind of usual things, uh, and on Twitter. But um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm kind of out. I don't do a hell of a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, if I'm honest with you, uh, I do a bit. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn if you want to. If you want to get in touch about anything. Awesome. Um, but uh, yeah. Great. Okay. Thanks for your time. It's been All great. Right. No worries. Cheers. Cheers. Mate.